0: Welcome to the girls club. Oh Yay. my
1: gosh. Did not even realize that it was girls club until about an hour ago when I was on a, a call with Kevin and bless his heart. He was just slowly fading because he's not feeling well. Mm. And I said, man, are you going to be able to be on the podcast? And he goes, I'm not on the podcast today. And I said, what? And I said, I guess I'll just be with Andrew. And he goes, nope not Andrew either and I was like <laughs> what I was like oh and he's like yeah it's Beth and Julie and I was like yes ladies <laughs> podcast it, so fun we're, we're taking over we're taking over control
0: no Love offense it. to the boys but we are so excited <laughs> <laughs> and this is gonna be a lot of fun I can already tell oh my gosh yeah,
2: yeah. and the first post summit. Uh, podcast too. So we got to do it on a fun one.
0: Oh yeah. my gosh. So I, I mean, feel like there's, we're, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be, as Jen would say, electric. electric. It's going to be electric. electric definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started.
3: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com.
0: Welcome to episode 306. I am Beth Russell and with me today is Julie Jarnigan and the online sales extraordinaire, Jen Barkin. Oh, I like it, Yes. <laughs> You always need like that big tee up because you're just so like, <laughs> okay. the energy is just, I, I want to, I don't want to say electric again, but I can't help it.
1: I think my next tattoo needs to be a lightning bolt or <gasps> something. I
0: like These it. Please do. But you yes. and Sam need to get matching ones.
1: Sam. Yes. Sam needs to get one that says dominate and I need yes. to get a, a light bolt. <laughs> Yes. Oh no, this is the latest, this is the latest Sam thing. So yeah. He, you know, he's working on site at uh Chesapeake Combs. And they love him. They love him. Yes. And I was I was like trying to like coach him on something or whatever. And I'm sure they love that. I'm like trying to coach him on their, <laughs> on their on-site process. Um, but he goes, Mama, here's the deal. I gotta get acclimated first then I accelerate and then I dominate oh <laughs> I was like okay I was like I can get behind that you're gonna get acclimated right get your bearings then you're gonna accelerate then you're gonna dominate and I was like
2: okay he's gonna be like, a motivational like, speaker so I yeah. know. I was
1: like writing it down like all right mm-hmm. so here we go <laughs> Hmm. Jenny starts <laughs> structuring her next talk. Thank you for the content. Yes, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. I love him. I feel like we need to start recruiting for Sam already. I'm telling you. In the next like five to 10 years. He's just gonna, he's gonna do great.
1: Well, he already, told me, he's, he already told me he's, he's got his sights set on NHB Rookie Salesperson of the Year. So I'm just putting that out that. there in the universe. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna be there. At IBS. Um, so, nice. Lisa Parrish, Sam Barkin, putting it out Plugged. there.
0: <laughs> like He's salesperson that. of the year. That yeah. is awesome. He is, yeah. that is the energy we all need right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you. it is the energy that a lot of us have post summit. So, as Julie mentioned, this is our first recording post summit. And yes. I'm kind of excited that it's us and <laughs> we don't have Kevin and Andrew. We can like, <laughs> really talk about it and, and how it went. Not that we wouldn't with them here as well, but I feel like it's like a little bit more fun with our personalities right now. But um, it is my first time yeah, as a Do You Convert team member and not as a, an attendee working for the Builder. So it was like a mixed bag of emotions, I feel like, afterwards. Like, there's, what do you mean? There's definitely like a, a, you get home and you have this like,
2: and I don't know if it's, like yeah. relief, uh, like re- <laughs> relief that it's over or if it's mm-hmm. like sadness because you have this big buildup. So there's kind of a little funk, but I mean, it's good because you loved it and it was amazing. But yeah. then I feel like I need to sleep for like two days just to like oh. get back into my groove.
3: Yeah, 100%. we're gonna
0: dive right into story time with this one because so like I said, mixed bag. And I think it's just like what Julie said. It's a mixture of like, oh my gosh. It's done. That was like a lot of socializing, and I never mm-hmm. socialize. I'm always in this cave <laughs> by myself. Mm-hmm. And then it's sad, also, because like this is the one time year that we as the do you convert team like get together. So mm-hmm. it's so great seeing people and meeting people for the first time in person that I haven't met before. Um, but then I like couldn't help but reflect on my time as an attendee and that emotion that a lot of the attendees are probably feeling of, um, part of it is like, oh my gosh, I suck at my job. So many people are better <laughs> that at this than me. There's so many creative people, but I'm also like loving that I feel that way. Because if you didn't feel that way, you wouldn't be like, you wouldn't have that fire to go out there and do something mm-hmm. different and implement something new and apply a lot of the things that, you know, all the wonderful presenters were talking about at these various sessions. And so like, I remember having that fire of like, I am ready to hit the ground running and I want to do this and I want to do this. And I have so many ideas, but then I also remember when reality hit and like you get back to the daily grind yeah. and how quickly it starts to burn out. Or And mm-hmm. I don't want to say burnout because that sounds like super negative, but like oh. it diminishes that flame starts to diminish. Right. And so I think on our like Maya, now as a do you convert person and a coach that has like direct impact on all of these people that were attending, is like, now I feel that fire in a new way of helping their flame stay lit for longer.
1: Oh, I like it.
0: You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like we got to find new ways. We have to now keep them lit. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Bottle that energy well, up. So as you were talking, that's, you know, I
1: was thinking about that and I was thinking that, you know, anytime you come from a a conference or, you know, and and you have this notebook full of ideas, right. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get back and I'm going to implement this. And we see this a lot happen with our online sales Academy too. Like, you know, they come and they're just like sponges and they have their notebooks and they're like, yes, I'm going to go do all the things. Mm -hmm. And realistically, you can't do all the things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking when you were talking like advice, you know, is summarize your notes. Like, so you've got this notebook full of stuff and it's like, Mm -hmm. go through and highlight the, this is where I'm going to start. And maybe you pick three things and you go, okay, I'm going to tackle these three things over the course of the next three to six months or whatever. And then keep revisiting that notebook. Mm-hmm. But it can be overwhelming, like trying to be like, oh, I want to do this and this and this and this. And then you end up maybe not doing anything well. Yeah. Whereas if you had like a couple of things that you really implemented well, then then that's maybe being more successful.
0: And I think it's about also don't make excuses about why you can't implement something. Like don't pick the three easiest things that you think you can do. Mm-hmm. Like pick one that's challenging. And I had all the, all the people in the marketing room shout, I am limitless on purpose because so many times we like put ourselves in a box and think, well, I can't do that because of X, Y, Z. And I can't do that in my organization because we don't have this or I don't have this. And it's like, no, pick something that's a challenge and really hone in on it and Mm -hmm. try it and fail if you need to. But it, you know, like sometimes failing is just as good of an experience than actually being super successful at it.
2: And I think part of the magic of, um, summit is those connections you're there with other people who are passionate about it and you can talk to it. And so I think people need to remember to uh, foster connections outside Mm. of something like summit. So whether that's somebody you've met in a similar role for somewhere else, you have a zoom once a month to talk about challenges you had. If that Mm -hmm. means taking somebody on your team out to coffee, you know, once every two weeks to like talk through things and brainstorm like outside. I think fostering the connections is one way to kind of keep that spark.
0: Absolutely. Lit.
1: got to stay lit. (laughs) Hey, you got to get, you got to get acclimated. You got to accelerate. You got to stay lit. And you got to dominate. Dominate.
2: I'm going to add that in Oh
0: my there. gosh. They're never going to let us just... do a
2: podcast together again. Mm. They're going to say we've lost mm. control.
0: I know. <laughs> the persona that Jen just took on was. Love it. I hope everyone who's like listening goes oh, back and watches. Just I forgot that, that, that this
1: is like recorded. Right?
0: <laughs> so you thought we were just hanging out. <laughs> you need to make one of your freestyle raps next, actually. That puts all oh, that in it. You know, I-, I need to work on this. You're right. Yeah challenge accepted. Mm. Julie, what do you got? Yeah.
2: So, um, I was talking to a builder yesterday. She is, uh, new in the role, but not new to home building, super smart, working hard. Um, and she came to me and said, I'm freaking out because everybody's on me. Like not enough leads, not enough leads. We don't have enough. Everything's slow. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, let's look at the numbers. And then when we pulled all the numbers, number wise, like, things look good. (laughs) You know, we are getting what we were when they felt like things are real. So it was just talking through, like, let's take the data. How are we going to talk through the data with them? How are we going to ask good questions about like, why does this feel slow with this? And Mm -hmm. she said something that I thought was really might resonate with other people. She said, it's like learning a language. She said, when we talk about it, she was like, I understand it. I get it. When I'm at Summit and I'm learning these things, I'm like, yes. But she said, then like, leadership or sales or somebody comes to me with these things with these questions and I have to talk about like what we're doing is marketing she's like then I can't just communicate it out to them I can't take that mm. and explain it and so we um just had this conversation about how that in itself is a skill one thing is like understanding the numbers and knowing what you're doing and having a marketing strategy but it's a separate skill to then be able to take all that data and look at that information and then be able to communicate that back to other people In the organization and I said that's just going to take practice and that's something you're actually going to have to work it at you're going to have to be in the data every day you're going to have to start showing this to people and explaining things to people and um, getting that experience of how you talk about it and how to answer things. So that was interesting thinking about it like that as a language. She understands it, but she can't speak it yet. You know, that's that's yeah. her challenge right now. Um, and I think that's it is a harder skill than people realize. Mm-hmm. They just think they should be able to do it automatically, but um, it takes practice.
0: That is such good advice of mm-hmm. like telling her to get out there and and try and talk to different audiences because how you translate it and how you tell that story of the data is going to be a little bit different based off of the audience that you're presenting it to. And so the more you do that, the more comfortable and confident that you'll be. And I think it translates in any any position, not just marketers translating data, but online salespeople overcoming mm-hmm. objections on the phone, us as coaches, oh. all three of us being coaches <laughs> and like trying to get you know, make an impact with different types of people and and in different organizations, like it, give yourself some grace, start from the foundation that you have, build upon that foundation and get practice. So that way it just feels more comfortable and intuitive over time. But that grace Mm -hmm. is so important. And that advice you gave her so good.
1: You know, and too, like, as you were talking, I was thinking about, so my daughter Mia just came home for fall break from school, and I was asking her about her classes, and she's like, "Oh, I had this presentation. I had to stand up in front of people, and I got a ninety-six. And like, I didn't even have to really look at my notes, and I, I just felt so good about it. And I was like, Oh, you know, that's so great, Mia. How, why do you think?" And she's like, "Well, I really knew the material." And I said, "Ding, ding, ding! Like mm-hmm. the more." With yeah. knowledge comes confidence. yes. Mm-hmm. the more that you study and you prepare and you learn it, the more confident you're going to feel about what you're talking about and you mm-hmm. don't even need it. like it just comes authentically out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, That's I do so talk about that as coaches, you know, it's like, yeah, don't, you don't even need to look at a script. like you feel confident about the knowledge you can present it. So yeah. with your marketers, it's like, yeah, you have to put in the work to learn it and study it. Right. You know, but it takes time and have some cheat sheets. Like, you know, if you're going to be presenting to leadership, like have your notes, like be, cause you get sidetracked and you forget what you're talking about and
0: mm-hmm.
1: have your yeah. notes
0: and your cheat sheets. Yeah. And focus on the things that like will be most important to them. Like you don't have to dig into the weeds. You don't have to yeah. go super technical yes. and we don't have to let our entire nerdy, like nerd side show. Like we can tuck it in a little bit. <laughs> let your nerd flag fly. Yeah. <laughs> to an extent, <laughs> to an extent. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> Consider your
1: audience oh, for sure. hey. <laughs> I Hey, ladies, I'm just so happy it's y'all because sometimes Kevin and Andrew are on here and I'm sitting here like, okay, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm over here in online sales land. Don't know. So sure. don't yeah. let your word flag fly too high is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> Make sure <laughs> that you're <laughs> somewhat understandable by the the normal people like me.
0: When yeah. It's, yeah. coming into do convert, to my terms. like <laughs> thing that I wasn't as strong at is a lot of the technical side of ads because I didn't have to do a lot of that at my builder. Oh yeah. You know? So like when Andrew and Julie and Becca and Sarah were teaching me the things that I like needed to rebuild my foundation on, I would be like, okay, for dummies, like Mm -hmm. do this for dummies. Amen, sister. (laughs) Mm Because we all have our strengths. We all have our things mm -hmm. that we're good at, but not everyone, my husband, I know he's listening. He always listens. He always says to me, like, "Oh, that makes one of ours." <laughs> Mine doesn't either, but I don't listen to his, so it's fair. Oh, We're that's even. so nice of Mike. Well, he has all this time on his drive in the morning, so he oh, listens to our voices. But he always reminds me, like, not everyone knows what you what you know. You know, it's that's not right. as natural. So, like, sometimes you have to dumb it down. A little bit and pretend like you're writing marketing for dummies or Mm -hmm. things like that. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because also it brings us, we keep going back to this foundation. It brings us back to our foundation and kind of helps us remember on the basics that we should be focusing on every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it's okay to be vulnerable when you don't know
0: something. Mm.
1: So like, yes. I mean, this is, yeah, this is a yeah, big, this is a, that's big, a one. big topic.
0: And I that's think, big one. I think it's a really good topic for everyone listening, but especially leaders yeah. that are listening, because I don't think, and I, I think that's why so many people at summit were so captivated by Rhonda and Elena, because they are high level within their organizations, but they, mm-hmm. and even Chris, you know, yeah. like not afraid to be vulnerable and let people in because it, it opens up the door for other people to be vulnerable. And it doesn't mean that you have to be singing Kumbaya and like diving into your personal lives. It just means that you are unafraid to be authentically yourself, to be wrong, to Mm -hmm. fail Mm -hmm. and to allow room for people to not know. So they can ask the right questions so that you can actually get to the right answers. Yeah.
1: I I know I've talked about this before, probably on the podcast, and I'm just going to say it again. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown talks about daring leadership versus armored leader- leadership. Mm-hmm. Armored leadership means you approach things with like, I know everything. Like, I don't want to ever look vulnerable. Like I'm tough, 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 right? Yeah. When you approach leadership in that way, you you're missing out on growth and opportunity, mm-hmm. approaching it with a daring leadership mindset of, you know, I'll admit, like, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. But you know what, you and I are going to figure this out together. Yeah, I'm going to ask questions of you, you're going to teach me, I'm going to teach you. And we're going to tackle this together. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, so I just encourage leaders like and even us at do you convert as coaches, like, you know, it's like, sometimes you don't know the answer and it's okay to be like, I, I was just on a call yesterday, totally stumped me. I was like, so I gave them my classic, you know, and, and those of you that know this, so this is the classic pivot objection is like, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to talk about it with the team and we'll get back to you. But
0: yeah, I don't know. Calling in a and- lifeline. Like if you don't do that as a leader, then you are also preventing your own growth because you stop learning. That's what I mean. Exactly. You stop learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your whole team
2: is scared to admit when they don't know something. Right. Because you look like you always have the answers and I'm going to look stupid. Right. But if they know you're willing to do that, then they're willing to admit when like, I don't know what that means. That I'm just shaking my exactly. head and nodding right. and like, yes, yes I'll do that. I have um, no idea yes, what you're Andrew, about.
1: I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> mm-hmm. about. GA4. Oh, okay. That's not Gatorade. <laughs> okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah.
0: No, I think this is a big topic as of recently. And I can't tell you actually how many times at Sum- Summit, Um, it was brought up to me and I don't know if either of you got the same of like people wanting more leadership help, whether it be at the marketing level or the sales and marketing level. And so it's something that, you know, I've been really brewing on and I'm trying to create a way for that fire to keep burning. Because I think it's really important that we continue training at that level and at that topic, because... It, as we're learning from the stuff that's in the news this week, bad yeah. leadership. Oh, we got ta- ta- destroy... to talk. We got to talk. We got to talk about the news. I guess at some point huh? <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> but yeah. it can it can you know have a really big domino effect within an organization. One hundred
1: percent agree with you on the online sales side. The leadership is a constant. Like just managing online sales team is completely different than managing an on site sales yes. team. Completely different. And so, you know, most sales leaders, bandwidth is stretched. They're busy. They're putting out fires with mm-hmm. on-site stuff all the time. And if numbers look good, it's easy just to go, hey, you good over there? Numbers look fine. Okay, check, like sweet, everything's good. Yeah. But what we know is that yeah, numbers look great because numbers look great right now. But yeah. like as far as conversions go. Mm-hmm. But we have to look beyond that and we have to manage the program. Um, manage the person, you know, beyond just the numbers. So definitely a space for more conversations around that.
0: So I promise we'll get to the news, but I want to do a a hot take if that's okay with you girls. What is that? Yeah. Jen and Julie too. Who do you think should manage online sales within an organization? Oh, Well, I'll let Julie answer first and then I'll answer. Oh gosh.
2: Um, uh, Marketing, (laughs) marketing director. This would be my answer, but that's my experience. That's my experience. Mm -hmm. It started in marketing. Mm -hmm. Then it was director of sales and marketing was the same person. So I lean towards marketing, not sales. Okay. So I have a,
1: I have a, not an exactly black and white answer. If it is a new program for your organization and Mm -hmm. you have to get sales buy-in, like it's a complete culture shift when Mm -hmm. you're rolling this program out and sales could be a little bit resistant to it. Mm -hmm. Um, It works well to have a sales leader kind of overseeing because online sales is an extension of the sales team. That's how you want to set that role up. And position it. And so if you have a sales leader over it, that's really good at bridging the gap, Mm. then it works out better. I think in that situation, ultimately the bottom line though, is whoever is going to have the bandwidth, whoever understands the role the best, who is going to hold them accountable, who is going to be the conduit between sales and marketing and online, Mm -hmm. which in a lot of cases it's marketing, right? we talk about yeah. online sales being like the love child between marketing and sales and so we see a lot of success too with online sales reporting up to that marketing person that is kind of really good but ultimately it comes down to there has to be communication between mm-hmm. sales marketing and online yeah if if there's silos it never works
0: yeah no, I think that's a, a really good answer. And uh, like originally, I would I sway on Julie's side too, uh, based off of my yeah. own personal experience, right? And we're marketers because you <laughs> <Yeah>. manage. <laughs> well, you you manage you manage the team, and yeah. you were marketing. So mm-hmm. and yeah. they came from sales too under the marketing umbrella, and that's. Mm-hmm. But it, t- the reason why that worked, to your point, Jen, is because I had the time and ability to understand their role mm-hmm. within the organization and the impact in which they had within the organization and our successes. And so it made sense for them to be under me within the marketing mm-hmm. umbrella. Right. But, and I think that's what the same situation for Julie as well. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I think that was, that was yeah. similar for you guys. And so when it comes to online sales, I think, yeah, they could flourish under either, but it's just important that their voice is heard and recognized and appreciated within the organizations so that they are fully supported by whomever it is that is mm-hmm. leading them, but it has yeah. to have the influence of marketing and sales either way.
2: And yeah. I feel like sales, if a sales is if a salesperson person is going to be the leader, not a sales person, a sales leader is going to manage mm-hmm. them. I think they have to understand how dramatically different those two roles are. They can't treat them like an on-site salesperson. Right. who's just mm-hmm. taking le- It's a different, it's a different role. So it has to be somebody who understands that those
0: differences, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. yeah. And, and the same challenge. can be said for marketing, right? Cause like, if you have a sales leader in charge of marketing or leading the marketing person, whoever is doing the implementation of marketing, if you have a, if someone that doesn't understand marketing or doesn't recognize the difference between marketing and sales, and how they should work together, not separately, then you're setting them up for failure as well. So Mm -hmm. like basically, if you're at the top, if you're in a leadership position in any organization, in any field, you have to take the time to understand what it is that your people do and their importance within the day in and day out operations and the success of the operation in order to be a successful leader at that level.
1: And this goes back to what we were saying about daring and armored leadership. If you are a leader who you're like, I've never been an online sales specialist. I have no idea, like Mm -hmm. the ins and outs, right? Mm Because it's most of the time, like you weren't an online sales specialist and you manage them, right? Mm -hmm. Being a daring leader is, you know, I've never done this role. Teach me. You know, yeah. show me, show me your process. Show me what you do. Show me your reporting. Show me mm-hmm. this and let's talk about it. Yeah. Like you don't have to come in like knowing everything or, you yeah. know what I mean?
0: Be ask vulnerable questions. enough to Just not ask. be the expert.
2: Yeah. Just ask questions. Yeah. I full circle. That. Y'all took it full circle on that oh, one. Oh man. Job. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> they should let us take over more often. <laughs> Okay. So I promised we would get to the news. So all of this does lead into the hot topic of the week, which is Redfin's announcement via Mm. an open letter, if you will, on what was it Monday that they published this? Mm. Um, It was Monday. Yeah. That they are leaving the National Association of Realtors. Um, And they really put it all out there, which I mean, kudos, because I love the the honesty i love the transparency, transparency. Mm-hmm. jinx and i think um you know we've had a couple internal conversations about this but i think the the real interesting thing about this is to see what happens next because they're the first mm-hmm. ones to really say no like mm-hmm. regardless of of how the semantics work behind scenes and what might happen Um, what they can and can't do at different levels and and in different regional areas, you know, um, where their hands might be a little cuffed, if you will. But I think it's really interesting that they were the first ones to get out there and say that we're not tolerating this anymore and something has to change. And if you're not following this, the, the
2: few reasons they gave for severing ties was one, um, the association of realtors policies requiring a fee for the buyer's agent on every listing. So, and that meant like on redfin.com, you couldn't list a for sale by owner. It would have to be someone associated. And then also a pattern of alleged um, sexual harassment. So there were, there were different levels to this. It wasn't just um, the policies that they're unhappy mm-hmm. with. It was also some leadership issues as well. So it's a very layered, multifaceted issue that they're working through.
1: Yeah, as a and former they, they
2: realtor, as a former <laughs> yes. member of NAR. <laughs> no, I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, and it really it My gets complicated. Life. It gets complicated because a lot of the MLSs are tied to the local and state um, realtor associations. Yep. Right. So you have to be a member. Of the association of realtors to get access to the MLS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the NAR rules say that if they're not associating with that, none of their none of the people below them downstream, which would give them no access to MLS. So it's a very far-reaching. Um, they've said this, and there's different conversations about is this just symbolic, or are they going to go fight every single you know different um, local? chapter i don't know if they're chapters whatever they are to get access to the mls so it's very much the first step it's a big step and it makes Mm -hmm. a big statement in a very long process of how to untangle all of this that's been going on how it's worked for years
1: Been going Mm -hmm. there's been ruckus around this for quite some time so like you said i'll be interesting to see kind of what happens next
0: like they're the first
1: ones to kind of publicly
0: mm-hmm. put it out there. So yeah, beautifully summarized, Julie. That was, that was kudos, ma'am. Mm. Um, and no, I, I think what it'll you were be talking f- about, Julie. Thank you.
2: Hopefully it's all right. Y'all go read the article
0: and double check all my facts there. Read the links in the show notes. So in our next piece of news is also related to the National Association Uh, Man. Because (laughs) apparently there is, I love this word, mutiny inside the NAR. Make it my popcorn. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, let me start popping it right now. As staffers call for resignation of top executives. Now, this is more based around the sexual harassment claims that have occurred, as well as additional toxic workplace environment situations and cover-ups and Yeah, there's, that's going to take a big bag of popcorn. Yeah, I think
1: we're just moving on from that. Yeah,
0: (laughs) just, I think, I think it shows a little bit of the ripple effect, right? Now Mm -hmm, it's brought back up, it's back in the news. Now they are, they're saying it's only a a small number of employees that issued this letter, but I think it's still a big step. And I think it shows that people aren't going to, like I said earlier, tolerate it anymore. Mm-hmm. And people are willing to put their name on the line in some cases and, mm-hmm. and their job and their their careers to say, even even their company with Redfin's case to say that, okay, like something has to get, mm-hmm, something has to be yeah. done. So let's see how it pans out. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking about this more yeah. <laughs> in the
2: future. Hopefully not as long as mortgage rates. (laughs) No, gosh, no mortgage rate
0: stories this week. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, But this next one, Julie has a good, um, personal story associated with it. I know, I know, but yeah. So this story was, um,
2: climate change pushes up home insurance premiums. Mm. Um, a recent study from policy genius found that quoted homeowners insurance premiums increased by 21% nationally. From May 2022 to May 2023, and that Florida experienced the largest jump with premiums increasing by 35%. So I went and did some math. So I live in Louisiana, South Louisiana, just north of New Orleans, and everybody below Interstate 12, all their insurance premiums have gone crazy. So my insurance company, who we had homeowners insurance for a year, went bankrupt. So I got a letter that said, they're going bankrupt. You're about to not have homeowners insurance. And here we found another quote for you, which nobody wants to give homeowners insurance down here. And it, the new quote they gave me was 174% higher than we were currently paying. This was in March.
3: Oh if I was really
2: stressed out in March and it was a great, like an insurance company I had never heard of. We don't even live in a floodplain or, I mean, all of, all of this area is probably a floodplain, but we're not, we're not required to have flood insurance. So So what was
1: the, what was the, like, Why?
2: Well, they went bankrupt and just nobody wants to take on people in this area. They just say, no, thank you. Most homeowners insurance churches. Is... So the quote we got was from like a crazy sounding made up name insurance mm. company. And when I talked to another agent, he said, oh, and I've heard that they ask you to sign over a power of attorney if you work with them. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. So they finally found me another one. And um, my premium went up 109%, which was better than the 174%. So when I read this article had a little, but how it affects, not just my story, but just how it affects homeowners. Like that digs right into your budget for how much or how much money yeah. you have to pay yes. um, for your monthly mortgage. I mean, it makes a big difference, especially Florida, Louisiana, I'm sure mm-hmm. areas of Texas. I don't know, um, Jen, if this affects you or, yes. yeah or not. Well, it, it does because
1: I am below sea level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're right there with you.
2: We're really close. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: you know, requirements for flood insurance, Um, anybody that's buying a new home. So this is interesting. Right down down the way, people that live directly on the river in Norfolk, which is really low. If you buy a home over there as of, I think, maybe last year or the year before, Mm -hmm. you're required to raise it in order to get the insurance. So you have to like, so we see all these homes going up on like stilts, stilts basically, I don't know, like cinder block foundations, like mm -hmm, 10 feet high. It's like the most bizarre thing, but it's like in order to get insurance, you have, that's the Mm -hmm. requirement is that you have to raise your house.
2: And what the article saying is people are now taking this into account when they're purchasing homes, Absolutely. you know, I mean, if I was buying another home, I would think about it. Like, can we get, yeah. but of mm-hmm. course it affects school district and all sorts of things, but, um, it does. And it's something worth talking about if you're in an area where the, the, um, home insurance premiums are more affordable than just a little bit down the road. I mean, it's things worth thinking about, um, cause mm-hmm. this is what home buyers are thinking about as well. Yeah. I was you're about saying, to say, you're marketers saying using
1: that no. as a, yeah, you're saying using that yeah. as a unique selling proposition of, Hey, mm-hmm. hey, compared to this. Or yeah, compared absolutely. To buying, and it works because uh, in our neighborhood
0: to. alone, our it's a huge master plan community that we live in. Our side, we actually didn't know this until we were prepping to close, but we are required to have flood insurance. And no one warned me how expensive it is. It's <laughs> crazy, I were right? Like, oh, okay. Um, But that being said, the other side of the neighborhood, there's a street that like when you're driving in, it's first on your right-hand side. Their biggest selling point is they don't require flood insurance over there. So when people list their homes, they're like, not only are we in River Island, but oh, by the way, you don't need flood insurance here. And it's a huge selling point. So I feel like we need to, marketers need to be paying attention to little nuances like that because it does affect affordability and it does affect the buyer's decision making.
2: Yeah. And you need to be listening to your home buyers for anything like that, that they're talking about, because if that matters to them, it needs to matter to you as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Um speaking of affordability and <laughs> impact on that, we have resumed student loan payments shake Ugh. up the housing Ugh. market from pro builder. Ugh. Yeah. Student so student
1: loan gives me gives me stress.
0: I can yeah, you're you're wiggling a lot right now, trying to shake <laughs> well, it off. I only but, have
1: one with student loan, so
0: yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> I can't. I can't speak to this one with personal experience because <laughs> neither of us have student loans. We were very blessed to not have any, but basically, student loan payments are set to resume this month, and that added expense is an unwelcome obstacle for already cost burdened homebuyers. So, I'm um, yeah. just another factor that we have to we have to consider when you know talking to our homeowners or, or soon to be homeowners of what they can realistically afford. Because now, what I liked about this one is they're talking about how um, consumers are essentially bundling their debt. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking at their debt as a whole number versus like something that can be paid off here, there, you know, and and not individual numbers. Exactly. So they're looking at this as, uh, as a holistic number. And so that payment is just adding to that whole number. And that's, they're feeling that anxiety, um, going into the purchase because it's not just the mortgage, that they're considering, they're considering the student debt. They're considering the wonder, car payments that are through the roof right now. I wonder are they what the average student loan monthly
1: payment is.
0: So this oh, article said it's what? Was 200? it in the article? I feel uh, like I payment. read something. Yeah, I feel payment.
1: like I read something where it was like 203 or something. Was yeah, that this, in this article, article?
2: says um, typical monthly student loan payment being around $200. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and the other thing that plays into, we just talked to a builder today and we were talking about some different things different builders are doing. And they were like, yeah, but you have to understand our particular buyer, they don't have a 20% down payment. And that's going to mm-hmm. be an issue too, As is all these things eat into people's budgets. Like that down payment is more and more of an issue too. So it, it
0: yeah. has mm-hmm. far reaching effects for us, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, it's, it's interesting that, a lot of builders don't even know that about their buyer. Like kudos to your builder knowing that because sometimes they don't understand the nuances. Like, and I love that they're they're out there actively trying to learn. Like I get a lot of builders within our circle asking for a 30 minute call with me to learn about the military buyer and what that psyche is like and how they can help them in a different way that's outside of uh, some sort of incentive. And I love having those conversations because they are truly making an effort and i think all of these articles and and the realistic world that we're living in right now is pinpointing that we have to take that one to one approach and really know what our buyers life is like and the obstacles that they have outside of just our day-to-day organization and the products that we have to offer them within our community but really take the time to learn who they are and and what their um what they're facing. Personalized incentives mm-hmm.
1: based on what's happening with that particular customer or buyer. Yeah. So, oh, you have student loan debt. So should the builder pay their student loan?
2: Oh, <laughs>
0: that, this is That's a stretch.
2: <laughs> this is Jen's hot take now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we just pay that off for student you.
0: Student
1: loans are preventing you from getting into this house. What if we paid half of your student loan debt?
0: I don't know. I'm just like. I mean, is it less than what they would pay something? $10,000 is $10,000. So that's what I'm saying.
1: Like, if, if yeah. you know, if you want to use that to pay to reduce your debt to income ratio, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, because. From what I know, because I have a kid who has student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the loan amount is, you know, it's spread it, it to keep the loan to keep the monthly payment low, right? Mm -hmm. Like paying this high interest rate, it's spread over a long period of time when really it might only be $20,000 that they owe. But like in order to make that an affordable payment, right? They've got Mm -hmm. this crazy loan thing and whatever. So if, if a builder could say, we'll pay your loan off or we'll pay half of your
2: loan off. I don't know. That one. Mm-hmm. And if this happens, Jen. You're getting full <laughs> credit for this. I, this I this love it. This is a Jen special. Love it. Throwing but it it's out a there. great
0: example <laughs> of like the amount of creativity that we have to have right now on a one-to-one yes. basis. Like yes. the conversations that I had with the builder recently about like, how can we help the military buyer or or even just the reload buyer in general? Like take our situation as a case study. We lived in an Airbnb for two months. That's was $5000. Pay for their Airbnb for two months.
1: Yes, yes. We will help you with mm-hmm. your moving costs, your relocation costs, whatever. We'll you know, yes. Listen, mm-hmm. when when I was in my former life, I mean, I worked for builders that would like, okay, like your home's not going to be ready for another 6 months longer than what we thought or whatever, we'll pay for you for a long-term rental. Yeah a furnished rental. Yeah. Like, you know, and I don't know. I just, I, I agree with you that there has to be more, some creative solutions and to work mm-hmm. with some of these people.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know I mean? And as marketers, yeah. like we have the, you have a voice in offering those solutions up. Like you have a voice and an impact and um, don't be afraid to make those suggestions and say, Hey, I heard this creative idea or this other builder is doing this, maybe this is something that we can implement. And um, I love that idea because people forget, I think builders forget that at the time of purchasing and moving a home, not only is it extremely stressful, but you're hemorrhaging money when you are purchasing a home, whether it's be, because you have to do an Airbnb or you have to pay the movers or you have to tip the mm-hmm. movers, you have to buy the movers food. You have to, um, you know, get out of your lease early. You have to sell your home. You have to move across country and pay for hotels. You have, you know, like buy new furniture, like you are hemorrhaging money left and right for whatever reason. And so the, the different ways that you can relieve some of that burden off well, in creative mm-hmm. ways that you can do that I mean let's see it happen
1: share you your story you can tell Beth just moved I know <laughs> she's like you gotta tip
0: the driver you gotta get the food you
1: and gotta, how many
0: times have we moved in the past I gotta years? go buy toilet paper I mean your food goes bad she's you have to like, get rid of all of your food in your in like it's ridiculous the little things that you don't think this. about. We need to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> These always turn into a therapy session for me. Okay. I love it. It's good. Oh my <laughs> oh gosh. gosh. Um, okay. okay so speaking of on. waiting, <laughs> I'm I'm moving right on. Speaking good- of waiting for a long time, why is your Starbucks wait so long, Julie? Uh it's because people
2: are coming up with weirder and weirder drinks. More <laughs> elaborate drink combinations is what it says you gotta
1: you gotta wait for perfection so this is from customization uh,
2: bloomberg Mm -hmm. and it says elaborate drinks and an almost endless array of combinations can slow baristas down but a plan to hasten service has yet to materialize so they're talking about how it's um how starbucks is struggling because there's so many there was like a crazy number in here if i can find it well they're Um, like just a latte, it adds up to more than 383 billion different possibilities of, right. of what you can
0: make. The Which team is,
2: had a lot of fun with this one. There was a lot of back and forth conversation yeah. about this article.
0: We did. And while he, he, the, the different data that was pooled, I think is is really fun. And I don't remember particularly if it was in this article or not, but we talked about it internally. But Starbucks had released that they had, that their customization, their personalization of their product, if you will, Um, increases their revenue by 1 billion, but on the contrary, their other data, which is the weight associated with creating said custom drinks had lost them anywhere between three and 5 billion or something like that Mm -hmm. in additional revenue, because people were leaving and they were losing customers. Like I don't have time to wait. Oh, Jen, how does that relate to online sales? (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> if if you're not first, you're last. So, you know, yeah, I mean, listen, people, you know, I go back to that, um, that study, Beth, you and I were talking about like, the personalization study, you know, BombBomb had presented it last year at our summit. Mm-hmm. And just talking about one, customers expect. So that word yes. expect is very powerful here as we're talking about this Mm -hmm. customers expect personalized service you know they they want what they want they want customization they want personalization and they want it quick Mm -hmm. and so if we're not able to deliver that we're gonna lose case in point like yes they're making money on their personalization but they're Mm -hmm. losing more on people getting irritated and walking out the door. Yeah. So when we talk about online sales, we got to staff up. Mm-hmm. We got to staff up in order to meet the demands in order to provide a personalized service. So Starbucks, you know, I know they're making changes. They're talking about getting different ice. It's like what mm-hmm. they, need, <laughs> they need to have, They need to staff up if they're going to be able to. Yeah. Provide I this think- level of
2: service the other place I've seen this in home building. So I've been, I'm old. I've been in home building since before 2008. I started in 2005 production builder. And it's like, this is what we build. Here is it. Yes. Yes." Um, Here's what we build. You can select from these two color palettes and people were fine with that. And then 2008 hit and everything crashed. And we said, you can make whatever selections whatever you, you want. There mm-hmm. are all the selections in the world. So yes. like the pendulum swung the exact yep. way. Then we mm-hmm. started not being profitable in that. And it was taking everybody forever to get through the system. There were way too many choices. It was overwhelming everybody. And yep. then we swung all the way the other way. Where at one point at Ideal Homes. Steve will call me if I'm wrong on this. But at one time at Ideal Homes, Somebody would say, I will buy that house if you will paint the front door. I think once we painted a front door orange and we live in Norman with OU and somebody's like, you have to paint the front door Mm -hmm. Um, and we would refuse. We would say, nope, that's not in our scope. If that door is orange, it's staying orange. So like, I think what's interesting, what I've seen in home building is how in the selections world, like that pendulum goes dramatic either way. Yep. And I think where probably Starbucks suffers with, um, they're so huge, it's hard to quickly adapt to changes. So if Mm -hmm. there's a TikTok trend and this Mm -hmm. is from Olivia and Bryce, they had these, um, this conversation on the Slack channel, they were talking about how all of a sudden on TikTok, people are talking about the cool new trend of this weird drink that had 42 different things in it. You know, it's hard. Then everybody goes and orders that like, how do you do that among all the Starbucks in the world? It slows everything down. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we definitely see this and I think the people who deal with it best probably are the people who are uh, faster to adapt. Yeah, don't you think absolutely. if
1: Starbucks set expectations a little yep. differently at the beginning mm-hmm. and when you go to order, well, guys, that was, you know, yeah, you set expectations and then you don't have an issue. I, mean, I think that it's
0: was, about living and like we talked about this at our at the summit for the on the marketing side. My um, session was on personalization Personalization. and taking Mm -hmm. ideas out of other industries that do it well. And the whole point is that it's somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like you have to offer enough that you're meeting your buyer's Mm -hmm. expectations of allowing customization or personalized experience, but you're also living in a world where you can still mass produce something, whether Mm -hmm. it be a shoe, M&Ms, Starbucks drinks, or homes, I don't want to say mass produce that in that regard, but you know, produce Mm -hmm. a product in an efficient manner that can be delivered on time. So it's just Mm -hmm. living in that middle ground. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a huge thing, like a bajillion options for a custom drink. It -hmm. can be something a little bit dialed back where the customer just needs to feel control. They need to feel like they had a part in the process. Mm -hmm. They got what they wanted. Their expectations were met. And it's up to us to find what that middle ground is, that sweet spot, so that we can work effectively, or efficiently, in this case, mm-hmm. to be successful.
2: Yeah.
0: Lessons we Starbucks. we
1: solved all the problems today.
2: the so, no problems. This was so fun. Yeah.
1: Girls, run we got it. We
2: got to have a girls-only
0: podcast every, every now and again. We got to get yeah. this on the schedule. One
1: hundred percent.
0: I'm down. Put it on, Olivia, you hear, you're listening in. <laughs> okay, so before we end, we have to do our favorites. Favorites, I do have
2: a favorite. Oh my gosh. Um. Okay. So I just found a Netflix. There is a new season of my very favorite show, which is Great British Baking Show. I do not oh, bake. Oh gosh. Do not bake. I love it. It's my favorite. And there's a new season out and it just but made do, my day. Do you
1: actually bake or do you just I like don't to bake. watch it because it's I, soothing? Yeah.
0: the dry humor is everything it
2: relaxes me the british accents relax me the i just it's my favorite i would i have watched these episodes it's one of those ones i'll put on in the background and just let play because it's very soothing to me so i'm very excited about that that is my Mm. my favorite right now i'm
0: learning more about you i like this Mm -hmm. well
1: my favorite show right now is suits
0: Mm. oh it has, it's you having it? a resurgence I know yeah
1: you know it's bad when my 75 year old mom tells me about it mm. she's like <laughs> oh have you seen this new show Suits it's so funny and cute you would really like it I was like oh, okay so I start watching it I'm hooked
0: yeah it's a different thing so if you haven't watched did it... you guys watch it no I'm too busy
2: watching the British, <laughs> You're baking, not the
0: show. British <laughs> baking show oh my god no time, it's no time so cute. to watch Suits. It's so it cute. Is. It's yeah. really entertaining for sure. Yeah. Um. Mine isn't related to TV shows. Good. We need something else. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have any. I, I'm i boring and I watch those same shows like over and over and over again. Um. But it is the fact that so we just moved into our house. And it looks like a black cave for those of you that are watching and aren't watching. Like my, my office looks like a black cave, but it's actually painted a dark olive col- color. It's called ripe olive. If you want love it, it, it. it's so pretty in real life, but on zoom, it looks a little dark. Um, but the house itself, I live in a tree house.
3: It I is amazing. That.
0: Yeah. Like it feels like a tree house and I love it. And I go out on this, like all of our neighbors are like, oh my gosh, you're, you're a deck. And oh my gosh. Cheryl. And I'm like, no, it's amazing. It's so nice. So, hey, pinch me. um, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a pinch me world. So if you, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see lots of treehouse pictures and lunch. We views. Love it. Yeah. We love so it. Pretty. Yeah. I'm not apologizing for I'm it. I'm so happy just, for you. Don't, don't,
1: it makes don't. see, you know, it makes paying so the movers a little yeah. extra it <laughs> tipping, makes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: tipping lunches, yeah. On
0: all, <laughs> living in an Airbnb for two months. It. Yeah. It's all which, worth it. By now, the right? way, our neighbor who is building their house, whose house is also delayed. She is now living in the same Airbnb that we lived in.
2: Man. Providing jobs, providing there you money
0: go. For, the- <laughs> there you go. for the community. Ooh. All right. Well, thanks for today. This was fun. Oh, this was so fun.
2: Thank you guys. That's
0: fun. Have a good one. Bye.
3: Thanks for joining us on another episode of Marketproof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.duconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peak, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.